The first automobile accident I was a part of, which I remember, happened on a bright Sunday morning on the north side of Atlanta. I was the front seat passenger, and I really was not paying much attention to what was ahead of us. Unfortunately, neither was the driver of the car that I was riding in that morning. I turned my head forward just in time to be able to blunt out, Stop! Stop! just seconds before we slammed into the back of the car, which had stopped in front of us to let out a passenger. A young man getting out of the other car jumped towards the curb as tires squealed and cars crunched. Fortunately, no one was seriously hurt that morning, but the moments before what could have been a tragedy were burned into my memory. I woke up at least twice that night having screamed, Stop! Stop! in my dreams, if not aloud. Bad dreams. It feels like today is a bad dream. How many times did those who witnessed the events of the Passion want to be able to stop what was unfolding before their very eyes? How many of their hearts have been screaming out, Stop! Stop this! Stop the beating! Stop the whipping! Stop the hammer and the nails! Stop the suffering! Stop the unfolding death! Stop! Their cries of their hearts are to no avail. How many had turned away because they could no longer bear to watch? How many had run away because of fear? It just would not stop. Now, the crowd which remains gathered at the foot of the cross is composed of women who have nothing to lose by being present, cruel-minded men who taunt and attack the defenseless, gawkers who just want to see what all the commotion has been about, Soldiers who were simply doing their duty. Maybe a couple of officials of the government and the religious community who stayed to the bitter end to be sure, absolutely sure, that the death sentence was completed. And perhaps, just perhaps, a disciple or two cowering behind a rock or a bush somewhere way off in the distance, straining to see what is happening and ready at any moment, at a moment's notice, to scurry off into hiding, lest they suffer the same fate. From the edge of of the crowd, a man of some authority and power steps forward and goes to Pilate at some risk to his well-being and his community standing and asks for Jesus' lifely body to be turned over to him. His request is granted. Just as the physical darkness of the evening is joining with the spiritual darkness already powerfully on the scene, Jesus' body is taken from the cross, hurriedly laid in a newly hewn tomb. A heavy stone is rolled into place, and a period is finally placed on the devastating events of this dark day. Now, finally, 
it has stopped. Darkness has overshadowed light. The clamor has died down to nearly nothing but whispers and murmurs of fear and loss. Jesus is dead. It all has stopped. The unfolding horror has come to an end. Jesus' body has been buried. It is done. And there is nothing left to do. The reality of death can now sink in. At this moment of the passion story, the one who is able to save us from the sting of death is held by the very clutches of death, his body now safe behind a stone wall. Those who have followed him are now adrift and hopeless. The worst has come. Darkness has taken away the light. Joseph of Arimathea is a somewhat mysterious figure. He appears at this point in all four of the Gospels, but we know very little about him. In many ways, he is a stranger to us and to those who have been close to Jesus. One thing is clear, however. He was one who was waiting expectantly for the kingdom of God, and somehow he knows that in the midst of what has happened, God is present. He does an amazing thing in going to ask for Jesus' body. And then he goes even further by giving to Jesus the one last thing every human being should be willing to give to another human being. He gives Jesus a decent burial. He gives Jesus' beaten and battered body a resting place. In death, he gives to Jesus a truly grace-filled gift with no means for Jesus to return that gift. Joseph is acting out of devotion and love. Joseph has risked it all in order to show forth the love that Jesus had for him, for you, and for me, and for all the world. In this act of kindness and compassion, Joseph has begun the pattern of love for one another and self-giving that Jesus had commanded us to follow just the night before. But the story doesn't stop there, as we all know. Now, right here and right now, some 2,000 years later, we have heard the old story again lived the journey with the emotions and fear that began with Jesus' mock trial through the streets of Jerusalem on to Golgotha to the place of the skull. We have again witnessed the crucifixion in our mind's eye and felt it within our souls. The very core of our beings, the very core of our spirits, the very core of our humanity has cried out, Stop! But the story doesn't stop here. Three days must pass before the end of the story will unfold. Or is that even the end? In our baptisms, we are joined with Christ Jesus. We are joined to his life. We are joined to his death. 
we are joined to his resurrection. We encounter Christ every day in our lives if we only take the time to stop and listen or see. Jesus is all around us. Jesus is in those we love, in those we like, in those we dislike, and even in those who hate us and push us to return their hatred. Are we willing to live out kindness, compassion, and self-giving love for one another at all times and in all places? Sometimes it is very, very difficult. The challenge for us today as we leave this place is can we become more and more like Jesus? When we follow the example of Joseph of Arimathea, the story does not stop. When we act as the body of Christ here and now, we participate in a very small way in the loving sacrifice Jesus made for us on the cross. When we reach out our hands in love, as Jesus did, and as Joseph of Arimathea did, we help the kingdom of God break into this time, in this place, and the darkness is beaten back just a little bit more.